Today, we have a special short feature for the podcast. We want to thank you for joining us for season four of Northern Exposure and remind you that we are accepting submissions from listeners. If you have a favorite episode, moment, character, idea of season four, let us know by emailing us at northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com. And we'll feature your thoughts on our upcoming season four retrospective episode next week. And if you'd like to send us an audio recording of your thoughts, we'd love to play that on the podcast as well. The first 10 submissions will receive a postcard from us in the mail. Anyway, for today's short program, we'd like to give you a sneak peek of our season four retrospective episode. I've compiled a short blurb from each of our guests this season. That's one guest for every episode. And I've edited together a string out of audio clips, which I'm calling Northern Exposure Season 4 in 7 Minutes, as told by people who have only seen one episode. Okay, kind of an unwieldy title, but I had a lot of fun editing this together, and we think you'll enjoy it. It's sort of like a highlight reel of each episode in order. Try to see if you can pick out each episode as you listen. Like even even the young me, when I was watching Northern Exposure, knew that he was supposed to be there. It wasn't a question. I, I got that. I think I've always felt like where I am is where I'm supposed to be. But throughout the episode, he just constantly propositions her with sex. Uh, I think it's pretty funny. And it's a it's a good episode. It's a, it's a it's a Corbett up, a John Corbett up. And I've always been of the mind that John Corbett is a talent. And also this whole premise which I didn't quite understand is that Bonner, uh, the, the English rocker that Adam, the, the buffoon that Adam Ant plays, is he thought he was going to Sicily, Italy, and he ends up in Sicily, Alaska. Hello, fellow mooseheads. I, I hate to say this, but at this point, I'm not, um, I'm not fully sold on Mike Monroe. Loved Bob, actually. He was one of my favorites. He couldn't talk, uh, or he chose not to talk, rather, because at one point he finally breaks the silence and tells, uh, says, I love you to this lady who I'm going to call Roseanne because I don't remember her name, but she spoke like Roseanne spoke. So a better sperm joke would have been something like this. It'd be Dr. Fleshman say, I'm going to need a sample. Holly, sure, always carry samples with me. Dr. Fleshman, do you see men? Holly, no men, just Shelly. Then he goes on to explain how he always carries the new bar food samples with him. To see much better. His name was um, Tommy McLeod was the one that taught through, but in actuality, the prop people hollowed out the tomato and put tomato paste in it, and he actually only threw it. The prop guy threw it at Shelley from about right. three feet, you know, three feet away. So in the end of the episode, I I was feeling like Shelley's not only the strongest person in town she also has like the greatest sense of self of anyone in town good head on her shoulders i realize i would never listen to their radio show it's so pretentious when chris and bernard are together talking about like the corporeal realm or whatever i really got angry with them but then i realized that the listener also got confused they were like did, did this answer your question and she was like I guess I like that because I thought, okay, they're not taking themselves too seriously. Uh, you know, is fear of global warming, the end of the human species, pandemics, plagues happening, which, I, you know, that struck me as interesting. The show is, you know, almost 30 years old and uh, it's still apparently really relevant today. Uh, these are all things that we are grappling with right 
happening now. Uh, so either, you know, this show is really ahead of its time or humans are really bad at listening and implementing change. The dispute between the two older characters was funny because I don't really feel like it was resolved. It kind of felt like this guy was a crazy asshole, and then at the end was like, I can't keep my hands off people's necks. Want a juice box? And then they're friends again. Well, gosh gee willikers. Oh, God, awful. Is he, is that man with the glasses and fly to Illamites? Is he blind? And then the second thing was, it's such a Motor City thing to say, the the word choices that Jeffrey, Jeffy made uh, when he described misfires, malcontents, uh, what was the order? Loose screws, malcontents, and misfires. Yeah, that was such a Detroit thing to say. The, the, it just evokes images of that, I think. Who is this teacher? What on God's green earth is this teacher? This teacher's got some problematic views. She doesn't think women can fly planes in combat because they have periods. She's absolutely wrong. <laughs> women can be in leadership and they can make decisions in any scenario. As a matter of fact, we visited Roslyn, Washington, and uh, after I got home, I started looking on you know, Zillow to see how much property <laughs> got. And it's really expensive there, though. It really is. I looked down during the opening credits, and I was like, I think I missed Rick Moranis' name. Is this not the show with Rick Moranis? So the whole time, I was kind of waiting for Rick Moranis to show up, and I was like, all right, well, now it's like past the second commercial break. They just don't know Rick Moranis. Anyway, no Rick Moranis, still good show. Let's go on. And finally, I love the song, When the Lights Come On at the End. It effectively creates this sense of wonder and beauty of the moment. Um, as well as the community of the town, as the beat of the song is sort of tribal and these people seem very connected and familial. And you can put Enya in anything, as far as I'm concerned, and it will make the scene work. I also really liked Chekhov's cake. Uh, as soon as I saw the whipped cream on that cake, I was like, please end up in someone's face. And I was not disappointed. And uh, he's stressed out because she got rid of his uh, Athabascan footstool, which is a really fun word to say, uh, Athabascan footstool. And I laugh because I'd had a similar thought earlier in the week. I, I've got a bottle of wine in the refrigerator that's been in there for a while. And I was just thinking, you know, how is it that something can sit there for so long, and but you can still drink it? Is it the cork has really sealed in so well? I, I just don't know the science there. I, maybe it's something I could Google later. He just seemed really confused, like, when she walked in. He's like, what's... This, do you need something, Marilyn? She's just kind of barking, not like barking orders better, but at him, but <laughs> more so like kind of giving him directions. And it was really funny. She said, pick up the pretzels. And that, that, was, that was a really <laughs> funny part about that. And this episode, I thought it was very funny because now I started to get bit by mosquitoes today. Uh, how he hates just the, all the mosquitoes and he just finds it crazy that the town wants to throw a mosquito festival even though you know he says that those creatures are just like the worst and as for the whole storyline of holland not getting laid enough because he's so used to having a massive amount of sex if there's one thing i hate in fiction it's when yankees have humble brags about how much sex they're used to having it sounds like john irving flexing i don't like it in the back of my mind at the end of all this the song that is in my head is wait for it from Hamilton, the musical. But in it, the, some of the lyrics say, 
Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. It takes and it takes and it takes. And we keep living anyway. We rise and we fall and we break and we make our mistakes. And so I I guess it's just that the town realized um, more fully at the end that like, oh gosh, like, Death doesn't discriminate, you know, whenever they read kind of like the diagnosis of the tree. They're like, yep, the tree's dying. And people felt it. So there you have it. Thanks again for listening through season four with us and stick around for our retrospective episode next week. It's not too late to submit your thoughts on this season. Once again, that email address is northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com. Northern Overexposure Podcast is edited by me. Our theme music was remixed by Matt Jackson. Thanks to Laser Kitties for the podcast artwork. And thanks to all of our guests this season. I'll credit them in order of appearance. Mrs. McFarlane, our high school teacher. Kyle, Alex, Morgan O'Ryan, Eric, Jeff Buck, my cousin Josh, Harvest Moon, Lucas, Jordan Prince, Ben, Leanna, Chelsea and Tanae, Jay, Jeremy, Charlotte, Patrick, Mason, Kristen, Colin, Corey, Jay and Daniel, Andres, Andrew, and Cameron. If you'd like to write in, you can reach us at northernoverexposurepodcast at gmail.com, at northernoverpod on Twitter. And if you like the show, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash northernoverexposurepodcast. And of course, thank you for listening.